Inventory management is a fine balance. You want to have what you need when you need it, but you can run the risk of overstocking certain items. We hear a lot about wasteful spending of our government, but we don't have to look further than our own medical practices to find the pork. How can you pare down wasteful spending on supplies, and how can your suppliers help you do this? You're listening to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Judy Capco, founder of the practice management and marketing firm Capco & Company from Thousand Oaks, California. Judy's latest book is called Take Back Time, Bringing Time Management to Medicine. Judy, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Larry. Great to be here. So let's talk about how to save money on inventory. In a typical practice, let's just say a typical primary care practice, how much money do we spend on, let's say, drug supplies, office supplies? Is there an average out there that you can help us with? Well, the problem is with this is that there are lots of variables in terms of supplies that you use, but there certainly is a range of costs, and it's somewhere in the area of, generally speaking, 5 to 6% of your revenue. But there's some variables, of course, depending on, on what type of a practice you have. That's to be expected. But I, I do think this is an excellent topic because it is at a 5 or 6% range, sometimes even a little less. It doesn't get the attention it deserves. We think, oh, you know, our big expenses up here, it's our malpractice insurance, it's our physical plant space, it's, of course, the highest is our staffing. These are our big areas. Let's just focus on them. But there are lots of dollars that are in your supply, and there are ways to manage them better. So that's what we need to focus on. In terms of, you know, how wasteful they are, that's where the problems occur. If we uh, have a lot of waste or we're just getting sold a, a bill of goods from some salesman. So let's talk about waste. I know in the rest of the business world, many businesses work on just-in-time inventory where they don't have anything on hand and they can get it the next day when they need it. I don't see that working so well for a physician's office. So how do we determine how much inventory to have on hand so that it doesn't either get lost, get stolen, get wasted, expire? Well, I think, first of all, your first baseline to decide where that is is to look historically at how much you've used of different supplies in the past and then start to look at, you know, why are we using this much supplies? Do, are we using them effectively or is there some being thrown out? And if so, why? There are certain areas and certain products where we see being much more sensitive to waste. I mean, obviously, dry goods, you know, they're usable. They don't have an expiration date. Vaccinations. But, but you're right. That's where I'm going. Vitamins, cosmetics, vaccinations, injectables, and reagents for lab tests, if you're doing lab studies, they're costly and they have a short shelf life. There is no reason to have a large supply. Where we sometimes take the hit in the medical practice that I see is we get offered this bulk purchase discount. If yeah. we buy more, we get it cheaper. Very exciting. Very exciting. go for it every time. <laughs> you do? Are you one of those? <laughs> I, I don't am. Believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it for All a right. minute. But anyway, you have some friends that are. Yes. So, and that's where we get we get the hook. You know, we say, buy it now, buy it today, you get more, you pay less. But you're paying a whole lot more if you're throwing it out. I got all this wonderful Zoster vaccine, mm-hmm. and it came and sat in the hallway, and it was supposed to be frozen, and it sat there, and nobody put it in the fridge, and uh, $2,000, gone, gone, oh. Oh. gone. That's a hefty amount to lose. Yes, that hurts. Yeah, well, who was held accountable for that? You know, I can only blame myself, Judy, because, mm. you know, it starts at the top. Yeah, but it's <laughs> no, I blame. Yeah, I made someone yeah. feel really bad and guilty, and yeah. uh, 
But well, you can't dock you, their pay. You can just make no, them feel. No, but it can be a lesson. It was a well teaching learned. lesson. Yeah, right. it, it can be a lesson well learned and something we surely want to avoid in the future. So yeah, you're right. Those are the types of things that really get us. They hurt. They hurt. They're real painful, especially in a primary care practice that money is so tight. So I think being real cautious on how much you buy, again, the storage issue is very important, and the lesson needs to be learned before it's delivered, not afterwards. I always think it's really good from a management perspective that when something like this happens and you revisit it, I like, you know, what you said is I've made somebody feel real guilty and bad about it, but can we have them help us solve it so it doesn't happen right. in the future. How did this occur? How can we avoid this recurring again? Because that's the real issue. And then looking at, at utilization. And I like to teach staff that every time they throw something that we have purchased in the trash, to ask themselves, was this necessary? Could this have been avoided? And that can be a wonderful way to really start to have staff look at it. I can tell you it's very effective because, you know, sometimes we use lots of paper. We're doing tons of copies of something that we don't need when we only need five copies. Why are we doing this? That has a lot to do with our inventory utilization and management. Well, when you talk about accountability for the inventory, you know, when you're not an owner of the practice and you're just an employee, you tend to not really care as much. And I've toyed with this for years, how to get people to have a better sense of ownership in the practice. Do I issue shares of stock? Do I make them own part of the practice? Whatever I've tried, you know, it works for a few months and then it kind of peters off again. What tricks can Judy Capco teach us? Well, we're getting off point, but I think it talks to all expenses in the practices to keep them well informed. And this is a good time to do it, actually, in this economy, because we're not seeing our numbers looking real great in most practices. And I believe in sharing those numbers with staff and saying, look, at everything that we're able to distribute back to our staff in terms of financial growth and your salary depends on the financial growth of the practice. And these are some key points where you can affect that. And show them the numbers. I'm sorry, did you say growth? I thought that flat was the new growth. (laughs) Yeah, there's still growth out there. There can still be growth if you're smart and you do it wisely, if you want to grow. Right. And if you're enthused about your practice. But, yeah, there are some practices that are flat, but I don't think that's necessary at all. That's a topic for another day. There isn't any reason you can't grow your practice. Because even when there's an oversupply of doctors, which we certainly don't have right now, even when there is an oversupply, some doctors' practices are growing. There's a reason. They're effective. Well, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host. I'm talking with Judy Capco, founder of the practice management and marketing firm Capco & Company. We're talking about inventory management tips that can help save you money in your practice. Judy, are you seeing a lot of practices using barcodes and digitally tracking inventory? No. I see a few of them. The ones I do see are related to one particular software program, and it is in the Medispa arena. Most practices I do not see using barcodes. You know, they have some sort of other internal and external method to manage supply costs and to manage supply inventory. (laughs) Another thing about it, you want to keep it tight, but at the same time, you want to have it available to you, not only for caring for patients that have medical needs, but if it's an elective thing you're selling, like vitamins, nutrients, lotions, whatever it might be, even DMEs for that supplies, you want to make sure you have them available when somebody does come in. How unfortunate it is when you have an opportunity to sell something where you have a markup in the practice and when the patient's asking for it, you say, oh, we don't have any, we'll have to order that for you. Well, you brought it up and I didn't. Vitamins, supplements, and lotions. 
are many physicians turning to this as a way to augment their revenue? And if so, what would you say to a physician who was hesitant to do that because he thought there were some ethical, moral issues of selling stuff to his patients? Ooh, ouch. That's a good question. Thank you. Thank you very much. Moral and ethical issues. If it's a moral and ethical issue for the doctor, he or she simply shouldn't do it. Right. That's how I feel about it. I think the idea, first of all, should not come from just the fact that I want to make a little more money, things are tight. I think it should come from the patient's point of view. Are you having patients ask about this? What are good nutrients? Where can Mm -hmm. I get them? Then that might be something you want to think about. It's telling you that your demographic component of your practice may need this. So you may want to get more information on how much is being used. But another key issue here, and again, they have shelf lives, is how are we going to not only market this, but how are we going to manage the sales of this within our practice? Mm -hmm. Because you can have a closet full of vitamins that are fabulous that you believe in, but if you've got a receptionist and a nurse that don't have a time of day to give anybody, they certainly aren't going to take extra time to promote vitamins and sell them. Right. No, you definitely need tracking systems in place and spreadsheets to know how many are there, how many you need to get, how many you've sold. Right. And what internal resources are going to be needed to manage this supply and sell them? Is it going to be happening at our front desk? Do we have one person that's going to do this? Do we have enough staff to manage an additional task? Or can we automate more and then use our staff better to manage it? So let me ask again, of the practices that you go into, what percentage of them are doing some sort of ancillary sales of whatever? Creams, lotions, tonics, fish oil, vitamin D? I'm going to just have to take a guess. I certainly don't have a valid statistic, but I would say somewhere between 5 and 10%. It's a small amount. And then you will help them obviously set up systems so that that is successful. Oh, I will if they call me, but they don't usually call on me for that kind of, they call on me for much bigger picture items. But I will say that I think that there is an opportunity for doctors that are interested in doing this. Certainly, if you have a holistic practice or if you have a cosmetic influence type practice, those right. lotions and vitamins and those kinds of things can work and they can bring revenue to the practice. But again, it's a matter of not just managing the inventory, but managing the resources to promote, sell, get it out the door, manage you know everything from the franchise tax you got to pay to knowing where the profit really is, and controlling waste. Are some of the products walking out the door unpaid for? Yes, they are, usually by the staff. So it can be a can of worms. If you don't feel really great about the opportunity, I just, you know, like I said, maybe that's why we only have between 5 and 10% doing it, because maybe it doesn't make sense for the majority of us. So let's move up the supply chain to our suppliers. What can we do to renegotiate or basically get our costs down from our suppliers? Can we just say to them, hey, give me a break, I'm having a rough time, or do we have to play a game and you know, have a few bids come in and play them off each other every six months? Well, I think it's good to get bids because it gives you a reality check on whether or not you are getting supplies at, at a reasonable price. It's not a guess, then it becomes reality. So there's nothing wrong with that and then saying, you know, beat their price. What happened last year, they all put on a a fuel surcharge, and then when fuel prices went down, they left their surcharge on. And so if you don't look, you don't see it. You have to look at your bills, too. Very good point. Absolutely. Look at your bills. Yes. Yes. Inventory is a big issue, and we should know what we're paying for what. And some of the things you can do also to help with the cost of that is many of our suppliers offer an early pay discount. Mm -hmm. That can be substantial if you're able to do it to manage that quickly. But in terms of 
you know, getting the supplies on hand, getting the best price. Look at what resources are available to you in your own community, within your specialty. For example, some of the specialty associations at a national level have group purchasing agreements that can be reasonable and maybe can give you a better price than what you're getting from your local supplier. Sometimes it's the online shopping, like the big guns, like McKesson and eSurgical. So I always say, let your fingers do the walking, let your vendors do the talking. That's nice. And use those two components. Get them telling you why they can give you, how they can give you a better price, and ask them for it. And then your fingers can do the walking through the internet. You can get all kinds of information on pricing. So you mentioned this pay-on-time discount. Is that something you would bring up after you negotiate the price and say, oh, and by the way, if I pay you immediately, can you knock off another whatever three percent? I think it's a great idea. But some of them already have it built into their invoice. Take a look at your packing slips. Sometimes yeah. it's even on that. I'll say early discount. So, but take advantage of it. What about shipping? Should we all be able to get free shipping? Why not ask? Unfortunately, sometimes the free shipping depends on volume. Don't buy a volume you don't need just to get free shipping. Again, don't take the hook. So, Judy, give me an example of a practice that you went into and you saw that they were just wasting so much money on a big-ticket item that if they just got rid of that, they'd save thousands of dollars a year. I'll give you a couple of different kinds of scenarios. I was in a primary care practice that for some reason or another, thought it should have a Medispa. And they went with the Medispa inside the practice, and within a few months, some vendor convinced them that it would be a great idea for them to have cosmetic products for sale. Mm -hmm. And the vendor, of course, could give them the best buy if they bought this package. This package cost like $20,000, and we'll give you a payment plan to pay it off. So the client went along with the program. I was brought into the practice about a year later, when the supplies were sitting on the shelf and a lot of them had expiration dates that had come and many were about to come and there were no sales. It was a horror story for a practice that was already struggling to manage expenses. So that's my big, big one. But another big ticket item is different than inventory. It goes into equipment. But these lasers, everybody's selling a laser and everybody thinks they can make money with lasers. No, there's no money. (laughs) Well, you've got to remember two very important issues. When they give you the return on investment, they don't factor in what it costs to allocate physical space, what it costs for your overhead to manage, to sell, to have staff or whoever does it, and they don't take into consideration that, dear doctor, if you're going to spend an hour in this laser room doing this procedure, that's an hour you're not seeing other patients. So it's not additional revenue, it's replacing revenue. That's even if you're successful at promoting it and have enough patients that make it warranted, and it's generally not the case. And as always, Judy, you've been a veritable fountain of knowledge today. Thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, thanks a lot, Larry. We've been talking with Judy Capco of Capco & Company about inventory management and ways to save money for our practices. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thanks for listening. <laughs>